Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. The Post Analog Podcast. Hey, thanks for tuning in for this week's show. But before we get started, I want to thank our sponsor, Bet Online. Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season. Everything from pro and college basketball to UFC, MMA, and more. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. With live betting options, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable. Bet Online is truly the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite leagues and events. Go to the website on your phone, join and receive 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use your promo code BLEAV to receive your rewards. BetOnline.ag is where the game starts. You're the guy that just listens to like, oh man, I mean Aerosmith and Run DMC, that's where it all died. Yeah, yeah. It's, it ends here. Right. It, but but for some people it does end like that, you know. For which it's okay. Do you think, th- th- do you nothing, think it's okay? There's nothing wrong with that. It's okay. It's I'm okay. barely learning that. Yeah, it's okay. But you know, for the one, the person that's like 21 or 22, 23, 24, like they're hearing Run DMC and Aerosmith, they're like, man, this is like dinosaur music. This is ancient, right? You know, but it doesn't mean that it's not good. You know, I mean, but that's I think that's where where. Someone like me is important because it's like I'm able to adapt to the music that's out today, but I'm right. still going to give you that dose of like where it all comes from, the classic music, the classic hip-hop, the classic R&B. I'm still going to give you those joints too. Now, in a mixing set, yes, I'm talking to like Gandalf the Gray. <laughs> you know, I mean, not out of I age, but, but, but out of experience. I don't know if I'm Gandalf, but I, I like the comparison. Thank you. I appreciate it. You know, that. That, that's out of respect. Right. Thank you. Do you get into certain moods where it's like, you know what? Fuck these kids. I'm going to be a bedroom DJ and you're going to enjoy oh, yeah, myself. Yeah, it happens. It happens, um, happens a lot more now than it did maybe four or five years ago. I mean, because now I'm getting older too and I'm kind of like, okay. It's like the same six songs. And like sometimes in some of these, these gigs that I do, they don't even mind if I repeat the songs after a while. Like, so I can't even really call it. I it's just, out of your own savvy and just. Yeah, yeah. I, I just, I, I like to do that sometimes to. Carry that. To carry that. But just to let them know also too, like, you know, oh, this is what my uncle was listening to. Right. Or this is what my older brother was listening to. So, you know, oh, he's playing that. He must be an older DJ. Correct. I am. Is it fair or is it back padding to say people from mid 30s to 50 are the people that research music 50 years back 50 years forward compared to this younger generation like do we research music more yeah i think we do i mean is that I, fair for me to say yeah yeah it's definitely fair Out for of you observation to say. yeah yeah definitely but i think that the generation now has more tools to actually research the music if they wanted to correct now um, it's very lab, not field. It's very lab, not field, very though. Very true, very true. You know, I, yeah. I feel like, okay, you have a ton of presets on Ableton. <laughs> As you can tell, yeah, yeah. we're, we're going to chop it up yeah, today yeah, yeah. like let's, crazy. Let's go, let's go. Um, okay, you have virtual instruments. Mm-hmm. But yeah, also, too, I think the, the big thing is with that is that, you know, we're in the digital age. So now you can see 
what you're doing, the waveforms. the waveforms and all that. We come from where we're using our ears. I'm going to run to the car real quick. Yeah. I want to listen to how this sounds. Exactly, here. exactly. Right. I'm, I'm going to, um, you know Those are our C speakers yeah. back then. I'm, I'm going to go buy this person's album. I'm not going to download it. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I was just talking about this the other day. It's like, uh, I didn't know who a certain producer was that I had on my show. I didn't know he had done certain songs. I knew who the producer was. I didn't know he had done certain songs. Right. And so someone was saying, well, how, how could you not know that? I go, because I never had the physical copy of the album of the album to look at it and see the producer credits right that's gone now you know what i'm saying i mean it's not gone but i mean you know for the way that i get my music now font font size and and the computer gets a lot <laughs> fucking smaller exactly that's the thing. exactly and then i gotta go and look at information to see who's actually on that like I, I should be able to look at it you know right. but again it's not a physical copy it's a it, like it's a digital copy so we see music now and that's why, yeah, that's why I don't think like when people do research, it's, it's as serious as when we do research because we come from the days when we were using our ears more and we still use our ears. Yeah, now we have the digital map in front of us to kind of like we can look at it. Right. But we still go off our ears. The generation that's out now, they really don't do that. They have to be taught how to use their ears more. I know that because I, I teach in a DJ school. Mm -hmm. What's the major difference uh, that differentiates LA's style of teaching compared to New York? Um, it's pretty much the same. I just think that um, I think uh, New York has a different way to present music than LA does. Okay, so expound on that. New, New York, um, the DJs that are in New York, they have a ton of personality. Not to say LA doesn't have personality, but New York is quick to grab the mic, turn down the fader, talk to the audience. Ah. You know what I'm saying? Like completely stop the music right. and talk to the audience. We're out here in LA, we're more about the flow of the music, keeping it going, keeping that energy rocking. We'll talk on the mic, but we won't, we won't actually pull down the, 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 the completely. fader completely sometimes. Sometimes we will just to get a crowd response back right, or whatever. Right. But for the most part, I think it's more personality and technique out here. Um, not to say they don't have technique in New York because they do. And it, it's the birthplace of all this stuff that we do, you know, as far as with hip hop and Correct. the culture and, and turntablism. I mean, well, not turntablism, but um, DJing in general. Right. Um, you know, Actually mixing. Mixing, instead yes. Of, instead of just being a selector yeah. and train wrecking. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know. And I think that the mixing styles are a little bit different also, too, besides just the personality. Like, uh, we're more about actually blending and our transitions are about putting the songs together for a. Uh, uh, eight bars and then going to the next record right where in new york sometimes they'll do that they'll do the the blends but then it'll also be be, be about just the cutoff which is pretty much just slamming into the next record right which is good also too i think every dj needs to know how to do that because it's about the element of surprise right you know so sometimes it's cool to be abrupt but you know it's more about the smooth transition out here in la did you have that mentality what is blending first um i i was lucky enough to grow up around people who were already doing that. Um, a guy by the name of Sid Perry, we call him DJ Mastermind okay. in Bakersfield. He was like really big on blending. He, he had the tricks and everything too, but his, his transitions were just flawless to me. And then the Baker Boys too, I grew up with them. And they were really big on just mixing and just... You know, going not only just playing hip hop though, like they Friday Night Flavors, Baker yes, Boys. That's right. Yes, yeah, that's I grew up right. with them. Those, those, that's like my my, my other brothers. You know what I'm saying? Right. And, are, uh, are they in Miami now? Not to no, they're, they're they're here in L.A. Good. They're Sorry. Here in L.A. Continue. Um, Sorry. You know, so I grew up and practiced with them when I was coming up. So the way that I learned was, of course, listening to K Day and listening to how those guys did. But they, 
the Baker Boys and Ma- and Mastermind Sid Perry were also very heavily influenced by K Day Mixmasters. So you know, AM K Day for the listeners. AM, yes, the exactly, right exactly. So they would take what they learned from there by listening, and then they would try to you know emulate as much as possible and practice on it and get better. And then me being a young buck at the time, I was like watching them. So I, I started learning from them and also listening to K-Day also too. That's how we all came together because we were all like, oh, you know about K-Day? Oh yeah, I know about K-Day, you know, because I used to come and stay with my cousin here in Palos Verdes from Bakersfield every summer since 85. So wow. I was exposed to K-Day and just everything. An honorary Angelino. Yes, exactly. Already. Exactly. And I fell in love with the city way back then. But just not, not only the city, the music, the culture, the whole thing about this place is beautiful. I'm going to make a statement and mm-hmm. I want you to react to it. Okay. If you get into radio by music, once you get out of radio, music will save you. Totally agree. Expound on your experience. I feel like uh, I got into radio because of my love for music and the way that I could present music. But when I was in radio, I was... And this is a major market station. Yes. So the capacity is the giant. Yeah. It's the machine. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, I'm getting everything that's out, you know, but still I felt like I could only grow so much as a DJ because... I had to go by rules. I had the mighty to, playlist. Yes, I had to go by playlists. I had to go by the rules of like when you are mixing, like, you know, you, remember you're playing for a million plus people who are, right. you know, so you got to entertain these people and you got to play them their favorite songs. And so I felt like I could only grow so much being in, in that that environment. Once I got out of radio, I felt like my mind started expanding and I started like growing in different ways of learning more about different genres of music that I really wasn't up on or really couldn't play when I was on, on, on radio because it was important for me to entertain the masses and do what right. my, my bosses were saying. So once I got out of radio, I started finding all these other outlets, different outlets and different genres of music and, and just growth as a DJ myself. I felt like I was pushing myself more because I couldn't do that when I was in radio. I had to be good at what I was doing, but I could only be at a certain level. I couldn't go too crazy because, again, I'm playing for the masses, and the masses don't get too crazy for when you go out of what they're not used to. I went through a year of, of like, I left, I, I was, um, I left um, radio, commercial radio in 2006, the end of 2006. I drank a lot. Right. You know, I drank a whole lot just because, you know, it was like, what do you do after the call letters are gone? That And that was always like something that was preached to me when I was in radio. Like, you know, like, hey, enjoy it now because when the call letters are gone, it's going to be a different different world for you. And I'm like, nah, I ain't tripping on that. You right. Know? I just want to work. I just want to focus. I want to have fun. And, you know, when that finally happened to me, I was like, oh, man, okay, what am I going to do? And I had all these other offers from smaller markets. Yeah, come here. But you're in L.A. Be a music director here. And you can, you could actually be a, a big fish in a small pond. But, you know, it's, it's like this is where you need to be. And I'm like, no, I'm I'm here where I I fell in love with this place when I was 15. Right. I can't leave. I can't. I don't know what I'm going to do. And this is my mentality in 2007. It's like I don't know what I'm going to do yet, but. I'm going to figure it out, you know, and, and God willing, and he guided me, and, and I figured it out, you know. 
Well, there is a legend that is completely <laughs> Lords of the Ring mythic. Rumor has it, you are at a stoplight. <laughs> one, one of Muggs' boys happened to be in a stoplight. Mm-hmm. And that was that turning point. Yeah, uh, that definitely was. If you, if you could elaborate on, on what were you doing before that stoplight? Uh, what was your mental frame of mind? Well, the, the whole and reason, what did you feel right after that? Well, it was just it was a crazy depression for me at that time. Um, I was low on money, and um, I, st- I had to start digging in my record collection. I just I knew I had gems. Pre eBay, right? Yeah, yeah. I knew I had gems. I knew I had, you know, records that were worth a lot of money. So I just started like grabbing stuff that that. I knew that I could either find other copies of or or not have be I I just started grabbing stuff that I knew I could sell and you know not stuff that was really personal to my heart like a lot of that stuff took me years to find and I wasn't going to give it up no matter how broke I was or whatever but some of the stuff that I knew I could get rid of and kind of like get some quick money off of I started packing that stuff up and I was on my way to actually actually go trade some of those records in for some money and I stopped at the stoplight, and I remember I was just so frustrated. I was just sitting there like, I can't believe I'm in my car right now, driving with my record crates. I had like seven, eight crates in my car or something like that. And I'm driving. I'm just frustrated. I think it's hot. My AC's not working. Sitting there, just like, I have to stop. Like, come on, like, let's go. And then Earn Dog, he's at the corner. He goes, Chalk, Chalk. And I turned. So he was walking. He was he was actually, I think he was going across the street to the store. Okay. Because their, their studio was right at the corner. Okay. Um, where I was actually at the stoplight. And um, I'm just trying to correct the legend <laughs> of it. And, and um, he said, yo, yo, Chuck, what's up, what's up, what's up? And I said, and I turned, I looked, I said, hey, what's up, man? You know, and I'm kind of embarrassed at this point because, you know, I got... You know, crates of records in my back seat, so I'm pretty sure he kind of figure out what I was doing. I'm like, oh man, either that or he thought I was going to a gig or something. Right. <laughs> um, and he goes, "Yo, man, Muggs has been looking for you. He's been trying to get in touch with you about a bunch of stuff." And I was like, "All right, cool. Well, tell him to call me." You know, I really wasn't even to be quite honest with you. I was like, I don't, you know, I didn't care. I didn't right. care who was looking for me or anything. It's like I, you I were was in a different speed. I was in a different. I was. I was depressed. I was mad at the world. And I just wanted to see how much money I could get for these records that were that were in my back seat, and so you know I didn't think nothing about it at all. Uh, I remember I went and I dropped those records off, got the money, and I went back to um, my storage so I could finish going through whatever records I was going to get rid of. And then Muggs called me. He was like, "Yo, I'm getting ready to go and um, getting ready to go do hip hop honors and." I'm going to go and do this for like a couple of days. I'm going to come back. I want to sit down with you when I get back and talk to you about some things that are coming up. Right. I was like, all right, cool. You know, I've known Muggs for, for years, him and Be Real and Sendog and, you know, the whole Cypress Hill family. I've known them those guys since I was in radio. So, you know, they, they've always been like really good, cool friends to me. And at this point, you weren't expecting anything. You were just. No, I, I had no horrific idea. at that point. Yeah, yeah. It was just, it. it was good to talk to the homie and that was it. I had no idea what Muggs had planned or anything, you know, but. What what it made me do though? I remember when he told me he was getting ready to get hip hop honors, and I, you know, I always watched like when they did that and stuff. So you know, I made sure to watch it, and I watched, and I was like, man, that's dope. Like he, they're actually getting honored for, you know, being legends and and heroes in the music industry, and just you know, doing what they've done, what they've accomplished. That's great, and I just right. I felt humbled, you know, like man, this man called me before he actually went and got this award. Right, still didn't know what he was going to talk about. 
So when he got back, he called me, kept true to his word. Uh, we sat down and met, and he told me what he wanted to do. And, you know, he's doing radio and DJing and all this stuff, and I want you to come on board and and, and do this with me, and let's, let's, let's make this happen. Like, there's nobody else I feel that's able to present it like the way that you do. And he just gave me a lot of compliments and made me feel good about, you know, what I've done at that point. It, it wasn't about what I was doing. It was about what I had done that he had actually reached out to me. So, right. you know, um, I said, okay, cool. So, you know, we started, uh, I started working with him and going to the studio and, um, you know, just being around that environment though, man, like those, those guys over there, it's like with all that they've accomplished, you would think that they wouldn't still be workhorses like they are. But they're over there just working like, okay, we got to get this done. Boom. Okay, get this done. Get this done. We can make this mix happen and, you know, finish this song. Output. Yeah, it was just like the work ethic over there. I was like, man, this is crazy. It's like, man, these guys are on it, you know? Like, and, I just, and then something just clicked in my head. I was like, well, shoot, man, if he's calling me, I need to be at my best. You know, I need to kind of reinvent myself. Like, yeah, what I've done and everything, that's great and... You know, but I need to reinvent myself. I need to be better than what I was a year ago, two years ago, five years ago, ten years ago. Like, all that's been great. And I felt like I, I got to a really good level when I was in radio. But when I started working with Muggs and started being around that the, the Soul Assassin compound and, and seeing people, how they worked around that place, it really just sparked a fire in me into where I said, okay... I'm going to go back to practicing. I'm going to make myself the best DJ I've ever been. And and to be quite honest, I didn't think that was even possible when I was still working in radio because I felt like I was the best I could be at that time because I was I was mixing four hours a day, six days a week. Right. How much more better could you be, you know? Holiday weekend mixes, yeah, jump off everything. mixes, right? Yeah, I'm doing everything, you know? I was a man of many hats and, you know, so... I just started like uh, I'd go to the studio and, and work with mugs and I would go home and work. I work like three or four hours with mugs and do the radio show. Then I come home and I work four or five hours on myself. So it was like whatever I would put in there, Soul Assassins, I'd go and work even more harder on myself because I was inspired. And I had I didn't think I would ever be inspired ever again like that. Mind you, at that time I was 38 years old. So I was like, okay, What's going on? What's happening here? Am I am I really getting back into this? But then I started seeing growth within myself. So that's what even inspired me more. Okay, well maybe maybe it's not over. I started thinking maybe I can still take this to another level. Maybe I can take myself to another level. Let's see what happens. And you know, I just kept that focus and 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 kept working hard like that and it turned into who you see sitting in front of you today. I feel like I'm better than I've ever been, a better personality, better man, better person, uh, better DJ, of, of course, and just better father, everything. It's funny because you were losing something you love in the, in the sense of trading music. Mm -hmm. But that incident is what brought you back to music. Yeah. And, and that's, Isn't that crazy? That, but, but it's weird because, like, you know, before then, like, I had gone through, like, of course, everybody has bad days or bad years or whatever. But I hadn't gone through anything crazy like that to where it, um, you know, just changed my entire life and just devastated me, you know. The only thing that, that I could even, you know, come close to was last year I lost my mother. 
And, Sorry to hear that. Yeah. And um, thank you. And, um, you know, it was just, uh, it was a, uh, it was a hard thing. Like those, those are two bad things that happened to me. It's like 2007, 2008, um, my divorce, of course. And then, um, my mom, well, my mom is of course above all that, but you know, those are the two things that just really changed me. I feel like, um, especially with my mom, my mom was, if it wasn't for my mom, I wouldn't even be doing music. It was because of her. Like I got into records. It was because of her. I even liked music in the first place. And she collected records. She bought records. She was the foundation. Yeah, she was. She was a music lover. So you know, I've told I've told this story a million times. But you know, my aunts and uncles would come over. She'd be in a good mood, drinking her little beer or whatever, and she have like stacks of forty fives. And then like, okay, look, I'll put this stack on. Boom. Your job is every time the stack is done, you take that stack off. You put this next stack on. That's what my job was. I don't even. I didn't even know. Like. I don't even think she knew that she what she was preparing me for. I don't even think she realized that I would eventually become a DJ or anything like that. And that is the party aesthetic. Yeah. You know, like when when you eat good food, you drink good drinks, Mm -hmm. and you listen to good music. But when you're around good company and family, everything tastes better. It sounds better. It feels better. Yeah. So that 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 is something that we overlook when we're young. Yeah. But you look back, you step back, and go, "Oh shit." Yeah. That was the ABC one two three of me. That was it. That you know? was it. And, and in, in that time too, my mom also showed me how to dance. In that time, this is like oh, I'm talking about like seven, eight years old, six, seven, six, seven, eight, nine years old. This is all happening at this right. time. And then by the time I was ten years old, I'm break dancing. You know, it's 1980. So if you could do the math, you could figure it out. Like I was ten years old in 1980. So you know, and that's when break dancing and everything started coming I'm around. I'm 75. Okay, so yeah, 70s baby. You know what it is. The funk, baby, yeah, the funk. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it's just like it, uh, it. It's just to think about that and think about like, okay, I started here with the music and then all of a sudden I started buying records at 13. The only reason why I started buying records, the only reason was to have the music that I could practice to because I was again I was breakdance I was popping I was I was a locker I was all that you know I was in, into the culture of of, of I'm one in, of those elements I'm, at least I'm, I'm in the hip-hop culture right. but at this same time is when I started doing like you know little tags like the little graffiti I tried the second element yeah I tried second and third element breakdancing popping locking graffiti I so tried that's, every that's three right there I tried people. every element of hip-hop possible the only thing I wasn't good at was was the rapping and that, still to this day, I can't rap for nothing. I'm a shout rapper. You'll never ever hear me rap out loud. And you know, the graffiti, I kind of fell off too. I was a bubble letter king back right. then, but I didn't keep up <laughs> with it. Now I write like a doctor, so my writing is terrible. That's all good. I'm Asian, so I write like that. House, <laughs> squirrely house. Yeah, yeah, right. Snake tail, <laughs> Korean house. Though I'm Filipino and Chinese. Um, you know, the refreshing thing is, you know, out of passion, you go through this progression depression stay in the game yeah it'll rescue you yeah um on this part of the show is where you put yourself on blast okay so the choice is either or okay okay i'm I'm, I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna warm you up pretty pretty easy okay Okay. all right pretty easy pretty easy evelyn champagne king or minnie ripperton Woo! that's pretty easy 
That's pretty easy if you ask me. Mini. No, 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 I'm just kidding. Mini. That's a difficult part. That's a gun to your head. Yeah, Mi so. mini. Is it the, the hip-hop ties? I think so. The, the Evelyn Champagne King is something that, that was being bumped in my house when I was younger. Okay. You know, so that was like a, that was like a, a given. Like, I was I'm automatically going, okay, that's dope. You know, because my aunts and my cousins are dancing to Evelyn Champagne King. Right. You know? Minnie Ripperton, I had to discover. So it's a discovery aspect. Yeah, of it. Minnie Ripperton was um, was something that the cousins had in the record collection, but I didn't know what it was until I heard it sampled. Right. Then I heard it sampled, and I was like, oh, so one day I'm going through records, oh, Minnie Ripperton, put this on real quick. I'm like, oh, that's that sample. So again, it's a discovery, you know. So I'll, I'll give it to because I thought like you know for certain songs, you know, as a lot of us did in hip hop, like. Oh, they made that. That's dope. Right. And then you find out it's a sample. You're like, oh. But it doesn't. So but, Stripling. But, but yeah, but it doesn't make you lose respect for the artist. No, no, Depending at on, all. especially for a group like Tropical Quest. I didn't lose any respect for the artist when I found out that most of their stuff was sampled. I gained more respect for them because they found a way to grab something that had already been made and flip it and make something completely new out of it. And that made me gain even more respect for it. But then it also made me appreciate the original, too. Well, sampling is more. based out of poverty and desolation. Right. You know, uh, you know, in the beginning, uh, in the 1900s, where the term was still loose, was it jazz? Was it jism? Was it from Chicago? Was it from from New Orleans? Right. They did this to you guys. Okay, black folk, play an instrument. <laughs> right. Here's yeah. what happened: the 60s, equal mm -hmm. rights amendments. The 70s, mm -hmm. New York then looked like a war zone. Yeah. Yeah. So what did we have to do? We're still musical, so we're gonna play music. Oh shit. See how they reacted? Let me redo that again. Yeah. Let me do that. And then I'm going to sample it and then produce a beat on top of it. Yeah. So that's born out of poverty and desolation. And a lot of people don't realize that. I agree with you. I, I've always had the, the argument of what's better, funky drummer, James Brown, the vocal, or the bonus beats where it's just the drummer by himself? Pretty damn sampled. Man. I, but I'm, what I'm saying is that, you know, I didn't, I, I, I was kind of like, torn a little bit like mm. which one was better like i love the one with james when his vocals and him talking to the band pretty much throughout the whole song like turn it over right turn over right, you know right, all that right. and stuff but when you hear those drums by themselves that do do i'm like ah oh, you know you just start moving you lose, your mind. lose your mind over it so you know i i, I still can't tell you what's better right i could listen to both of them over and over and over again and still be like man that's dope Prince or Lenny Kravitz? Ooh. Prince. Because? Uh, his body of music. Just everything that he's done. He's, he's, a, he's a trailblazer. He blazed trails. He, 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 man, he made a movie called Purple Rain that right. changed my life when I was 14 years old, you right. know? So Vanity was fine as hell. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Apollonia. Woo! Oh, oh, Apollonia, yeah, that's yeah. right. Oh, you said Vanity, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Vanity was dope, too. <laughs> yeah. Van, from Vanity They're from six. that same thick-bodied Latin mold, though. Yeah, so, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, Prince you know. definitely knew how to pick it. I mean, Prince had some bad ones. He had Apollonia, Vanity, Sheena Easton. And he's like 5'2", isn't he? I know. You know what so, I'm saying? With heels. Me, he's 5'2", with heels <laughs> right, on. Right, right. <laughs> so, you know. But yeah, Prince. Prince definitely. I bet you that motherfucker talks really in a falsetto. <laughs> fucking asshole. Probably so, <laughs> right? uh. Try to be fucking old. <laughs> Whatever fucking uh, octet you prefer, but he's a falsetto motherfucker, <laughs> cocksucker. I'm just jealous, by the way. I'm just fucking jealous. I couldn't tell. I couldn't tell at all. <laughs> um, 
Will I am Black Eyed Peas or Will I am with the BBE label? Hmm. Two different Will I Am's. And if you're gonna burn a bridge, I'll just pour the gasoline and I'll light it myself. But <laughs> okay, well let me say this: Will I Am is a, definitely a, a good friend of mine. He's been I'm mad respect him. He, he's been been a great friend of mine from the beginning of uh, the whole Black Eyed Peas thing until where he's at now. I really appreciate the things he's done with the Black Eyed Peas. Um, I put out an EP with uh, Kim Hill, by the way. Oh, you did? I, I've got some history behind me, I see, me, man. I see. I've got some history I'm learning more me. and more about you, man. Yeah. I like what I'm learning, man. You're so, dope. Maybe I'm, I'm patting myself on the fucking back. <laughs> Sorry. Um, will I am BBE? Will I am BEP? <sighs> because I, I, because I, there's I, faces of the black eyed right, peas, too. Right, right, right. Okay, I'll, I'll put it to you like this. Okay. Um... I take the Will I Am BEP okay. Black Eyed Peas from the Joints and Jams era. And 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 is is the Macy Gray era okay too? I'll give that one a pass. It, 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 it's a, it's pass. Yeah, it's right. a pass. It's a pass. You know, but um, no, no boom boom pow. No, I mean the thing is, I'm not, I'm not <laughs> mad at that because I had to play that type of stuff too. But I think that again, that's when he started making more music Career. for the masses, and that was like more okay. Oh. We broke through. Okay, let's do this. Boom. You know, oh, we're loved here. Let's do this. And, you know, and I'm not mad at him, man. I mean, he's still a, a, a great producer, great artist, great person. Right. You know, so there's nothing I could really say bad about the man at all. Um, but I, I definitely will say the early Black Eyed Peas. Well, I am over the BBE. Oh, over the BBE. I like the BBE project. I yeah, did like it. Still. I thought it was really dope. Um, but I, I like that first BBE black eyed peas stuff because it was it was still hip hop to me. Right. And it was they artsy. were having they were having fun. Right. And they artsy. Were, and dancing still. They were still like getting their groove on, you know what I'm right. saying? I come from the dancing days also too. So in fact, a short story real quick. Um Polo I got all the time. Who's the manager of Will I Am. Okay. They came they used to come down to Bakersfield sometimes. Because again they're, they're at band clan days? The at band clan days, yes. Before even before even at band clan, they used to come down and, you know, they're all dancers. And so I'm a dancer. So they used to come down and battle us in Bakersfield. Same thing with the Far Side. The Far Side used to come down and just hang because I was like, they were best friends with my cousin Kai. And they used to come down and hang with us in Bakersfield too. But with Will I Am and, and Polo and those guys, they used to come down and battle us actually in dancing. Right. So it's pretty crazy. You know, that's amazing stuff. And now we're all cool and, you know, and in this crazy ass music business and the beast yeah the beast and still having fun though and still yeah. i just saw uh will i am actually it was about a couple of five four or five months ago now we were actually i was coming back from new york and he was coming back from i think london or somewhere and for some reason he I, well he stopped over in new york and got on the same plane i didn't even know he was on the same plane because i was in the back and he was in first class of right, course right but course. Uh, when we got off we were talking and stuff and just like you know it's just good to see that we're still in it and that we're, goddamn and we're still paycheck man yeah but you know he's got so many other things going on outlets now too. Of it's, outlets and that's it's so the king. funny. That, that's what's king. Is yeah, the outlets, yeah. Right? And it's so funny that we're even talking about Will I Am because I just watched um, X Men uh, Wolverine last right. night and he's in there. Right. And, he's, and this is so crazy. We're even talking about it. So it's just crazy. Small world. How everything connects. The, the coincidence. Yeah. It, it's pretty amazing to me. Yeah. And and sharing that is was important. Yeah. No yeah doubt. Absolutely important. No doubt. Tribe Call Quest or Slum Village. Mm. Gun to your head. Mm. Gun to your head. 
Everything's acceptable, though. Okay, well, let me let me break it down real okay. quick. So, Tribe Called Quest, just for their body of work, <laughs> I mean, their work state speaks for itself. The number of albums. The number of albums. You know, I won't talk about maybe the last one. I won't say... Beast the Rhyme, Love Movement? Is it, was the Love you? Movement. Okay. Um, Beast Rhymes in Life, I really didn't... I didn't... I didn't think it was dope as the other three, but I grew to like it more as time went on. I appreciate it more now than when it first came out. Well, it was kind of like, it felt like fulfilling a contract. Right. Well, I think they, they also, that's when they brought in um, JD, AKA J Dilla at the time. So they, they took a different route in production. Um, so their, their sound, it didn't, didn't get too different, but it was different from what I was used to. Like, it was a little bit more, I don't want to say funkier, or, or, but it was something different. It was like, you're ambient here, you're kind of funky here, you're mm -hmm. kind of just, you're riding the drums here. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I digested it, so, digested it the same way. Um, Slum Village. Slum Village. Was a critical hub. And they were the last ones that said, you know what, hip hop or die. Yeah. They had that sword. Yeah. And and they saw the motherfuckers with the AK 47s shooting at them because it's the BitTorrent. Yeah. LimeWire era. Yeah, 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 yeah. And <laughs> you know, the full Dirty South. Not that I dislike Dirty South, but that was like. What that was, was like the, the, the hottest shit at the right. moment. Yeah. And they had their swords and they said, I don't care. Boom, bap, or die. Right. Hip hop. That, that's know? why I've, I feel Volume 2 was so critical. In, in showing love, right. I thought. But if, sorry, if, it's your if, point. If I have to pick one, I would pick Tribe. Uh, and the only reason why is because even though Slum Village was definitely appreciated, it was a breath of fresh air when they came out at that time and, and groundbreaking and just the introduction of, of, of Jay Dilla, JD at the time. Um, but I got the same thing from JD from Slum Village when he came to Tribe. Yeah. And so that's the only reason why I would give it to him. Some Village is still definitely a, a, a top group in my, in, 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 you know, in my world, but I have to give it to Tribe for more of their body of work. And absolutely the acceptable. And everything. Yeah. It's absolutely ac acceptable. Three more things, then we're done. Mm -hmm. Finding the record, that hot gold gem, mm -hmm. Or playing it in front of a crowd and then praising it. Which one which one is more gold to you? Finding it, listening to it, dancing by yourself. Or the actual vision of people appreciating it. I have to say finding it. Okay. It's more of a, you know, personal goal for me. Um, that it's accomplished. Oh, I found it. You know. Oh, it still sounds dope. It still sounds good. My thing is with when I play it out there's going to be some people who appreciate it, but then there's going to be some people who don't know what it is or don't appreciate it. Right. And that's the thing. It's like, I feel like everyone should love this record. Everyone should appreciate this record. But if they don't, then that kind of like, oh, well, that sucks. Let's so, you yeah, down. It lets me down. So let down. So yeah, I go back to the me finding it, me dancing in my room, happy and turning up as loud, having the neighbors bang on the wall, turn it down, that type. AMK day or FMK day? <laughs> AM. It's not even a comparison. And, you know, 2008, I worked at K-Day. 
um the new one the start the yeah the start uh, of the new the, the start second. of the no well I, no it was actually well it, it had been around for a minute at that point um but i worked there for eight months and um you know it just wasn't the same it wasn't the same because you know there was still they were trying to compete with what's going on what was going on in the marketplace and um you know i felt like if they should if they, if they would have just stuck to the original format of what k-day was from correct. the 1580 a.m days correct it would have been a lot more successful the, the way i see that was okay you're a boxer now you're opening up a boxing and mma school but the mma's heavily ignored so you might have just opened up a boxing school and catered to the purest or am i far-fetched no 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 that? not at all i agree okay i agree Top five boy bands. I, I labeled my five boy bands. Okay. And you can restructure it. You tell me why. And I, I labeled it this way. Okay. Okay. Number five, the Beach Boys, because they're an actual band. Mm -hmm. And they showed a subculture, which is a surfing culture. Okay. I am not going to include these three motherfucking boy bands. <laughs> it's his new kids, Backstreet and NSYNC. So they can fucking shoot themselves. <laughs> though, I, though I'm lately appreciating Jay, Justin Timberlake. Okay. Number four, Boys to Men, mm -hmm. because they were such a throwback and a mixture of R&B and the bop. Mm -hmm. Number three, New Edition. I think, I think New Edition was uh, definitely um, something that when I when I saw when New Edition first came out, I felt like it wasn't just black people who liked New Edition. Right. It was every race. And that, that was like, critical. Like the, yeah, it was. It was. And I felt like, oh, wow, like these, everyone likes New Edition. Right. But they had good music. Too. They had timeless Fantastic music. Fantastic music. Yeah. You know, so. I was in the Philippines then, so. Oh, wow. Go figure. Wow. <laughs> Fucking Filipinos, dude. <laughs> hey, that's the one thing I will say about New Edition, though, too. Filipinos uh, love them oh, some New Edition. Dude, we were like Candy crazy. Girl, boy, oh, boy. We were in, like, oh, wow, fuck Menudo. <laughs> We already eat that. <laughs> Menudo. Yep. That's funny. Um, I chose the Beatles as number two, and I'll tell you why. I felt like the Beatles progressed into manhood, and they put out albums later. Mm -hmm. So for me, it was just such like, it wasn't a boy band. It was childhood, boy, teenage, men. Yeah. And the reason why Jackson 5 I put on top. It was just like a university of soul. Yeah, yeah. And 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 the, the well, what's big about soul is the pain. Yeah. Respect to Daddy Jackson, but man, yeah. he was not. He was. Oh, he was whooping their he was ass. Like, <laughs> I, 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 he was like Ike Turner's fucking brother. Yeah, he you know? was whooping their ass. Would you label it that? So, so for the for the uh, listening and viewers, the way I I labeled it was. I, I definitely would put the Jacksons first, like you did. Okay. Um. I'd put New Edition under them. Okay. Um, I'd put the Beatles after them. So Beatles third, okay. Um, I'd keep Boys to Men where they're at. And the Beach Boys at number five. I would probably... Because we're talking boy bands. Let me think for a second here. I, I think... The Beach Boys were very critical for going, you know, I'm, I'm going to show my culture. Yeah. I'm going to wear a fucking surfboard shorts. I'm going to have a surfer. You're right. Round, round, get around. Yeah, I, get around. Ooh. It wasn't my thing, but they right. were very like Superman with an S, you know. This, yeah. is, this is my scene. Yeah. yeah. And if whoever likes it, likes it.
I, I, I agree with where Beach Boys are at, number five. So you would basically, so one through five would be Jackson, five, New Edition, Beatles, uh -huh. Boys, Boys to Men, Beach Boys. Yeah. Mr. Chalk, it's been amazing. Yeah. Pleasure. This, this, Thank this you. Is, this is... I, I can't even believe that this interview was this dope, man. I mean, oh, you know, I, I, you, I knew it was going to be good already just from our conversation on the phone. Right. But, man, like, you really had some really good questions and you're very just... Um, just your breakdown of things is, is appreciated. And just oh, man, your, your overall great. love for music is appreciated. You know, it's always good to talk to music lovers and people who love the culture and, and, and appreciate the sounds of today and the sounds of yesterday and, and where this is all even going. So right. the fact that you're even doing something like this is appreciated by an old school soul like myself. So, so thank you for even Big inviting, inviting me down and having me be a part of this. And thank you. The Post Analog Podcast for Generation X. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.